Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Ezra and Nehemiah are unique Old Testament books that give us the story of the Lord's recovery. These two recovery books of the Bible give details about the recovery of God's people back to Jerusalem from their 70-year captivity in Babylon. Stay with us for the next half hour as we apply the principles from this Old Testament picture to our situation in the Lord's recovery today. This is Matt Miller, and Francis Ball is with me for this second program from the Life Study of Nehemiah. Francis, I'm glad you could join me for this particular program. And I'm very happy to be here, Matt. Francis, there are only two books in the Bible that Witness Lee called recovery books, and they are Ezra and Nehemiah. Last week we covered Ezra, and now we're on the book of Nehemiah. Some listeners may be familiar with the story of the Lord's recovery in the Old Testament, but let's review it right now briefly as a backdrop to today's program. Well, I believe the situation in Israel at that time has very closely resembled the situation that we've seen among Christians in this present day. The need at that time was for a recovery because God had had to come in and judge his people for not being faithful to him and not following his way and uh, not taking care of his economy. And we have seen the same thing happened in our day with uh, those who are Christians who want to follow the Lord. Yet all of our desire doesn't fulfill God's purpose and God's desire. So we need to have this kind of picture from the Old Testament to show us where we are today. And isn't that amazing, Matt, that in the Bible, we continually go back to the Old Testament to see pictures of our own up-to-date situation. And that's what we have in this book of Nehemiah. We have a picture of our situation today. There was a degradation among the children of Israel to the point that God had to judge them and put them under captivity, under another kingdom, another rule. And that was the rule of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Being brought into Babylonian jurisdiction. So they were under God's judgment, under God's discipline. And this is where we find the story of Nehemiah as very similar to what we see today. Nehemiah was a lover of God. He was a lover of God's house, a lover of God's temple, and a lover of God's people. So we need someone like this who can kind of give us the way to go on. And I think we've seen that in our day. We've seen someone rising up aggressively to come back to God's purpose, back to God's goal, and back to God's heart. So that's what we have with Nehemiah, an aggressive man that is really willing to sacrifice everything to uh, bring the people of Israel back into God's heart's desire and way of going on. 
Now, Nehemiah was actually not one of the first ones to go back from Babylon to Jerusalem. Actually, we covered that last week in Ezra. The first group was with Zerubbabel, and they went back to build the temple. Ezra went back early. Now the book of Nehemiah starts out in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king. And this is, uh, I think, a period of eight years after the situation had happened in Ezra. So he's there as the cupbearer to the king, and we'll see this. And he heard a report from his brother who came back that everything was not going well with the captives who had returned. So now we come to the story of Nehemiah. And let's go there with Witness Lee, and we'll come back and have some more fellowship. Ezra, the book, is a history of the return of Israel's captivity and the rebuilding of the house of God as an initiation of God's recovery. In Nehemiah, the book, is a history of the rebuilding of the wall of the city of Jerusalem as a continual recovery among his elect for his testimony for the accomplishment of his economy. So, Jerubbabel went back, the temple was built, Ezra went back, the people got taught, educated, after at least 75 years, Nehemiah rose up to go back. And his going back is to build the wall of the city. That's the national defense. And to constitute the country. The rebuilding of the house of God typifies God's recovery of the degraded church and the rebuilding of the wall of the city of Jerusalem typifies God's recovery of his kingdom, God's building of his house and his building of his kingdom Go together. Matthew 16 has the clear revelation that the church and the kingdom go together. The house of God needs his kingdom to safeguard the house and to carry out his eternal economy. Francis, let's stop right here at this crucial point about the need for the kingdom of God, typified by Nehemiah's building of the wall of Jerusalem, to safeguard God's house, which typifies the church, the temple that was built by Zerubbabel. Can you give our listeners a simplifying word of this need for the kingdom of God to protect the church? It's quite marvelous, and in the New Testament, you do have the church And you have also the kingdom of God. In a sense, they are one thing. And by this illustration or this prophecy in the Old Testament, you do have these two things put together. But for the church's benefit, you need the church to be the kingdom. So what we have here is after the the house has been rebuilt, the temple has been rebuilt, that is, representing the church, There is need also for the wall of Jerusalem to be rebuilt as a protection for the house and for the temple. So I think we have to realize that God's house in the New Testament 
is spoken very clearly as the church. The church is God's dwelling place. That's where God wants to abide. But for him to abide there, there needs to be some protection, or again, the people of God could be drawn away from God's center and from God's purpose, and they would have no protection. So Nehemiah really represents the recovery of the building of the wall, which is a protection to the church. And the building of the wall represents the kingdom. The kingdom is standing there as a protection for the house, God's dwelling place. When we see in the New Testament is God's economy is to build the house of God. That means to build up the body of Christ. That means to be born again, to be built up together so that God's people stand as one testimony. But there is opposition to this testimony. And for that reason, the church needs to become the kingdom. In other words, the house needs some protection from the outside. So Nehemiah, seeing this need, he comes back from Babylon and goes aggressively to build up the wall around Jerusalem. And that's because he loves God, he loves the house of God, and he loves the kingdom of God. So I believe this speaks to us, Matt, that we would be those kind of people who love God, who love the house of God. That is, we love the church, and we love the kingdom of God. That means we love living a God-man life so that we're built up as a protection against the enemy who tries to destroy the church. You know, Francis, I want to read a a couple verses from Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, which show that the building up of the temple— or the church, is related to the building up of God's kingdom. And in Matthew 16, 18, and 19, the Lord said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, Mm -hmm. and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Amen. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of the heavens, and whatever you bind on the earth shall have been bound in the heavens, and whatever you loose on the earth shall have been loosed in the heavens. So, Right away after he talks about the church, he talks about giving him the keys to the kingdom of the heaven. So the church and the kingdom, the building up of the two are related. Just to underscore what you're saying and what Witness Lee is saying, at the same time, there's a struggle and a fight going on where the gates of Hades are trying to prevail against the church, but it won't. That's right, but it won't. I like that assuring word because this is really the story we have in this particular case with Nehemiah. And also, I could relate that to the fact that the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And we apply that also to the church. Without being born again, a person is not even part of the church. But without being having another life by his new birth, he could not even see what is the church. But by being born again, we get another life in us that gives us the light of what God's purpose is, and that is his purpose is to have the church. But in order to have the church and to maintain the church's testimony, the church also has to have the aspect of the kingdom of God. So God's kingdom is actually worked into us in an inner way by the growth of God's life in us, transforming us, to make us one people, 
one in every way, built up together to be the wall that would protect the house of God, that is the church, from the onslaughts of the enemy, that is Satan. Well, Francis, we've got a lot of life study program left to cover today, so let's go on and another <laughs> section with Witness Lee here on the kind of person that Nehemiah was. Here is a common man, a servant of the king, cup bearer. He was aggressive, volunteer to God, to his burden, to go back to build up the city. The wall of Jerusalem was broken down, and its gates had been burned with fire. But Nehemiah was praising God. First, you could see this man, he knew God. He was intending to pray, but he firstly praised God for what God is. Then this man believes the word of God. God did say to his people through Moses that he would bring the captivity of his people back to the place of his doing. God did say this. So Nehemiah stood on this word of God to pray. So God got bombed by his own word. Then the leaders of the Moabites and Ammonites mocked and despised the children of Israel. Ha ha, you people can build a wall. Ha ha. Nehemiah, who are you? You are just a cupbearer. But Nehemiah answered, the God of heaven himself will make us prosper. But you have no portion, no right, no memorial. Get away. This was Nehemiah. Very aggressive. Then under Nehemiah's instruction and direction, the Jews set a watch against the enemy day and night. Aggressive. You Moabites, Ammonites, will come to do something to us. We set up the watch. We will not give you one minute to do anything to damage us. This shows Nehemiah was a strong character. He was there, taking the lead to watch, trusting that their God would fight for them. Francis, there's a real battle going on for the building of the walls of Jerusalem. The enemies were there threatening, but God raised up Nehemiah, just a common person, just a cupbearer, but he was aggressive for the Lord's interest. How about this? Marvelous. You know, this is not unlike some of the history that we're experiencing and have been experiencing in what we call the Lord's recovery today. There is the need to have the rebuilding of the church, the returning back to the ground of oneness that would bring the church into an actual existence. But there is a battle against this that's very strong, and it needs the kingdom people to stand with God. And this man, Nehemiah, is this kind of person. As you pointed out, he's not a prominent warrior in any kind of way. He's not a big leader, but he's a cupbearer. A cupbearer means he was kind of the butler for the king. And the king noticed what kind of a countenance he had and what kind of person he was. And he took note of this as wondering, uh, 
why a person like him should be sad, because now he didn't appear as, as he had before. And so the king asked him, what makes him so sad? And the thing that made him sad was the fact that the house of God had been rebuilt back in Israel, and that the people of God were gathered there again, but the whole situation was not good. The whole situation was under the attack of enemies, those who hated Israel, those who didn't want Israel to have any say-so. And they began to make fun of Nehemiah when he came back. But nothing deterred him. But this sadness caused the king to realize that Nehemiah was a very aggressive person. And God also took advantage of this kind of character that Nehemiah was and anointed him and blessed him in his aggression. And I think another lesson that might teach us something here, Matt, is that what we are by nature is may be very good, like this aspect of being aggressive, but it's still natural. God doesn't want our natural energy, but he wants our person under his dealings with us by the cross so that we can drop our natural disposition and take on a resurrected life. And that's what we receive when we get Christ in us. We get a resurrection life. And Nehemiah was very aggressive to want to see the wall of Jerusalem built up to protect the house of God and to protect and provide for the people of God. And his aggression was a very strong point. So this is the kind of person we're talking about today is this man, Nehemiah, was set on going back to Jerusalem, building up the wall of Jerusalem, and protection for the house of God. Well, on that note, Francis, why don't we go on back to Witnessly and see more about this fight for the recovery of the wall, protecting the temple, the wall of Jerusalem. They fight, and they trust in God that God would fight for them. These are aggressive. The chicken ones would say, we don't need to do anything, and God will do everything for us, <laughs> which way you would take. And there is a proverb that says, God only has those who have themselves. If you don't have yourself, God would not help you. Whether this is true or not, according to history, we can never see God help any chicken. All the people who received help from God, they are aggressive people. Thus, they labored, and half of them held spears from the start of dawn until the stars came out. And Nehemiah, listen to this, Nehemiah and his brothers, brothers in the face, and the men of the guard None of them took off their clothes. Each had his weapon at his right hand, including Nehemiah. Francis, let's talk a little bit about this fight real quick. They were prepared on the one hand to fight, but on the other hand, they trusted God. You can't be one way or the other. You really have to be both, don't you? That's right. That's right. What he mentioned there about God helps those that help themselves. I've heard that before, but I never really took it. But this time I realize what that means. An aggressive person can really trust in God. 
But a lazy person, he cannot have the confidence to trust in God because he's expecting God to do everything, and God's only going to do what we will be willing for him to do through us. Very good. Thanks, Francis. Let's go on to the conclusion now with Witness Lee and our fourth portion. We normally only have three sections with Witness Lee, but today we added a little bit more into the program. So let's go to Witness Lee for this final word on Nehemiah being a good example and pattern for us in the Lord's recovery today. Nehemiah's good example. He and his brothers did not eat the food appointed for the governor. By that time, he was the governor already. As the governor of that province, he should be paid with quite amount of compensation. But he did not take that. For 12 years, he applied himself to work on the city wall. And he did not acquire any kind of a payment. Rather, he fed others. Richly at his table, 150 Jews. It was heavy burden upon the people already. So Nehemiah wouldn't take any payment from them. Nehemiah, as the governor, in the position of a king, the equal a king there, was a man with a pure heart, not selfish, nor seeking his own interest, nor indulgent in sexual lust like all the kings, including David. So he was qualified to enjoy the top portion, the kingship of the good land promised by God to his elect. Don't forget all the judges. They were so selfish. They were so indulgent. But here as a governor, he behaved quite differently. No self-seeking, no compensation. Rather, he just fed others for the purpose of the building up of the wall. And this was Nehemiah. I would say this, in the human history, probably he was the only one as a leader of a nation behaves this way. In the Bible, there is such an example. Francis, how about we conclude on this note of this kind of a leader who's got no self-seeking, no self-interest. What a pattern. I would say that's a marvelous pattern, and actually I could testify to the fact that I've seen one like this who has aggressively taken the lead in rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem as we interpret it today and uh, was very effective and very much in resurrection so that he would not depend on others to support him. But he really took care of God's interest, even became one with God. So I think we have a good prototype of the one who is illustrated here as Nehemiah was. And who is that you're talking about, Francis? His name is Witness Lee, and I've been with him for a number of years, and I can testify that he's this kind of person, very aggressive, very loving to God, and very loving to God's people, and for God's house and God's purpose. When did you meet Witness Lee for the first time? For the first time, I met him in 1963. 
And you were with him until he went to be with the Lord in... 1997. So that's uh, quite a long time to be with him. That's quite a testimony. We appreciate you giving that word today. We've run out of time, so we can't go anymore. But Francis, I'm really glad you could be here for this particular program today. I'm glad also. Thank you. And thank you also for joining us. If you'd like to get a copy of the printed materials that go along with this radio program, you can call us at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or if you're in the electronic age, you can just send email to radio at lsm.org. On behalf of Francis Ball, this is Matt Miller. Thank you very much for listening today. In both the first and last book of the Bible, God presents himself to man as the tree of life. Throughout the Bible, God is portrayed as food for man to eat and life for man to enjoy. In the tree of life, Witness Lee presents a view of God's heart that is little understood and seldom experienced by Christians today, revealing that it is God's desire that we receive Christ, experience Christ, and enjoy Christ as our moment-by-moment supply. The Tree of Life from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.